in the air, extra cover, gone. It was always on the cards. The short ball continues to work. England continue to flap to the short ball. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. On day three at Lords, we saw Australia begin to take a sizable lead against England, but I feel like the talking point will be the manner in which England's batters crumbled in the morning session. I'm Josh Ronifinger, and I'm joined by Louis Cameron, as always. And the day really started with a bit of action, didn't it, Louis? It did. I mean, England have gone from being way behind in this test to being maybe just a little bit in front just before, or just around the time Nathan Lyon got injured yesterday, and now they're back well behind in the game yesterday. Uh, Sorry. At the at the end of this day, they're well behind. After three days' play, they're uh, trailing by 221 runs. We know as good as they are in the fourth innings, this is going to be a, a monster chase for them. Given Australia have two more days, uh, you know, to set uh, set a run chase and then to bowl them out. Well, let's run through the scores uh, for those who were asleep overnight in Australia. England began the day at four for 278, 138 runs behind Australia. And off the second ball of the day, Mitchell Stark got Ben Stokes caught, caught sharply behind the wicket by Cameron Green. And then a procession of English wickets followed. England lost their last six wickets for 46, and Australia took an unexpected 91-run lead. It was a very anti-baseball start to Australia's second innings with lots of plays and misses, and these Aussies happy to tick it over at about two and a half runs and over. Warner got 25, Labuschagne got 30, but it was the hero of Edgebaston, Usman Khawaja, who led from the front once again with an unbeaten half century. He and Smith will take up the charge on day four. Louis, where do you want to begin with day three action? Well, maybe given we've touched on the bowling a little bit, maybe talk about the batting because Usman Khawaja has been a real thorn in the side of England in this series. What a lovely way to bring up your half century. He's hit two or three of those down the ground today. It's not normally his strongest area, straight down the ground past the bowler. When he's hitting there, you know he's playing well. He's 53. And even in the first innings, uh, his lowest score of the series, uh, 17 runs, he's still batted for 107 minutes. I'm just taking a look at the scorecard here for, for 70 balls. When you think back to 2019 and how difficult it was against a new ball, uh, Usman Khawaja was coming in at three then, and he was basically opening the batting. He never came in after the uh, before the fifth. Sorry, he never came in after the fifth over at any point uh, in that 2019 series. So he was basically opening the batting then now, but they're just setting such a good platform for that middle order. And um, Australia's batters, uh, you know, just got, you know, they're batting on much better pitches for a start. But um, it's just been a really noticeable thing that this opening partnership is just really starting to click. Um, Kawaja kind of holds the key, I think, tomorrow for, for Australia's batting. He's not out overnight on 58. Uh, and he's got Steve Smith down the other end who made a few runs in the first innings from memory. Yes, he did. You're right. Kawaja also got a life on 19. He was dropped by Anderson at square leg. And one thing that stood out to me about Kawaja's innings was his driving. Obviously, at Edge Baston, he couldn't drive because the pitch was too slow, so he relied on pulling and cutting. But here he has, in this innings, he has five falls on the drive and enjoying that bit of extra pace that Lords is giving him. Yeah, I think he's um, he's just on top of his game at the moment. He just really seems very content. He's probably scoring at a slower strike rate than he probably ever has in Test cricket, but he looks more comfortable than he ever has in Test cricket. I think um, opening suits him. It kind of suits his demeanour. He can, um, you know, kind of go out and just kind of play his own style. And he's got a fantastic partner in Warner. And you know, Kawhi just kind of made jokes about being a makeshift opener and how he cops a bit of stick from guys like Matthew Renshaw. 
Um, and even Martin Slabishan had begun his career as, a, as an opener as well. But uh, there's something to be said for that dynamic he's got with David Warner. I know they only put on 63 for the first wicket here, but um, it's just getting Australia off to such better starts than they did in 2019 when, um, you know, and, and 73 in the first innings here uh, as well. So it's... Um, it's yeah, it's really going well for Australia, that part of their game. It would be quite a um, reincarnation of Usman Khwaja, wouldn't it, considering how much the experts, I guess, in inverted commas, were saying that he couldn't bat in England, especially after his last tours here, and now he's looking down the barrel of back-to-back centuries and tests in England. Yeah, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. He's got 60, 42 more runs to get there, Josh, so if people are listening to this... Uh, when plays started tomorrow and you've jinxed him, uh, he'll be dirty on you. But no, certainly good signs for Kawaja, for sure. Why don't we get to our moment of the day, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team, and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. And, Louis, what have you nominated for today's moment? Well, Manus Labuschagne was kind of in skittish form today. He didn't look completely set at any point. He uh, he got given out on his fifth ball to Josh Tung, who bowled very well, I should say. Um, but Manus Labuschagne, moment of the day. Uh, so him and Stuart Broad had this fantastic battle. There were two big shouts on the final two balls before T. Uh, they didn't review either of them. Both were good decisions. The decision not to review one after T when Broad was basically hitting his pads what it felt like every second ball. He wasn't even appealing. He was just running straight down the wicket and putting his hand up in the air. Uh, he did that for a third time and for a third time Stokes did not review. He should have reviewed. That ball was going to hit leg stump and they might have got Manus a little bit earlier. It didn't cost him too many runs, only 14 runs, but you know it's those kind of little margins that you need to, to I guess, get a roll on if when you're coming from so far back in the game. As a fastball yourself, do you reckon umpires, uh, they don't like it when bowlers run down the wicket and don't turn around and just celebrate as if it's a foregone conclusion? Yeah, I have spoken to umpires before who don't like it, for sure. I'm not sure how international umpires would feel about it. It's slightly different in international cricket now, isn't it? Because often the appeal doesn't really matter that much. You know when you play club cricket, the captain always says, make sure the umpire can hear your appeal, make sure it's convincing, and you might be able to convince them because the umpire's decision is final. In international cricket, the umpire's decision is not final. We have decision review system in place, so maybe that changes things a little bit because it doesn't really matter if he turns around and and sees whether he gives it or not because they're just going to review it they think it's out but yeah I mean when he's running all the way down the wicket he's got his hand up in the air and then his team doesn't review it uh, maybe it's slightly overkill and you know you just want to do anything from Stuart Broad's point of view I'm a huge fan of as a bowler I would just be thinking I want to keep the umpire on side I'm going to do whatever I can to, to keep him happy so maybe something you need to look at I'm going to throw in my own moment of the day, if you don't mind. Um, I'll digress for a second because during the tea break, um, I got the chance to hop over to the uh, corporate area and meet Australian football manager Ange Postacoglu, who's just signed with Tottenham Hotspur. We did a little bit of a chat with him for the Cricket Australia website and um, just wanted to throw that in there because I don't get to name drop that often and Ange Postacoglu, he's a, he's a super guy. Yeah, my feet are hurting from all the name dropping you're doing there, Josh. <laughs> I know you're a big Leeds United fan, so uh, well done you'll be uh, competing with or no you won't be competing with Tottenham next year because Leeds got relegated thank yeah. you for bringing that up yeah bad 
bad luck, mate. But um, yeah, big big name. Obviously, a big cricket fan. There are a few big names in that in that box. Was there a former prime minister who was sitting next to? I saw at one point in there. Yes, there was. Um, but uh, we'll leave that to the listeners' imagination. Who that was? All right, England have a bit of an injury worry in their number three, Ollie Pope, who we saw he hurt his shoulder uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, didn't return to the field in Australia's first innings, um, but he did come out and bat, and now they didn't return to the field in Australia's second innings, which we were all scratching our heads at. Um, but I think you've got a little bit of intel of why he did come out back out in field, even with a sore shoulder. Yeah, so something that I hadn't really thought much of. So he batted at three in England's first innings. They'd obviously had bowled first, so they'd spent that time out in the field. Stokes had, uh, sorry, Pope had hurt his shoulder already, so um, but it was an external blow, so he was able to go in and bat at three. He didn't have to... Often the rule is if you if you just go off for um, change your socks and you spend five overs off the ground, I think it's then five overs you need to uh, wait before you're allowed to be involved in the match, whether it's batting or bowling. So that didn't apply to Pope because it was an external blow in the first innings when he batted. He looked pretty comfortable. He made 42 off 63. Batting didn't seem to be a particular issue. He got out hooking. Um, he was scoring at a good rate. So then we get to the Australia's second innings and he's out in the field to start, start with. He is England's best fielder, but he's clearly got a, a shoulder issue. There were a couple of times when he was chasing balls to the boundary and Ben Stokes went with him. A guy with, it was quite funny, a guy with a busted shoulder getting chased by a, a guy with a busted knee, uh, basically because he needed to underarm it to throw it back in. There was then an incident where he dived trying to stop a ball, uh, I think he was at mid-on, and jarred the shoulder again and he, he looked he looked grumpy he just kind of went straight back to the pavilion and we're all kind of wondering why was he on the field in the first place Jeetan Patel in the press conference uh, just now England's spin bowling coach might have shed a bit more light on what was going on there although he's not still entirely sure what happened let's hear from Jeetan Look, we're a bit bewildered by it all, I suppose. We haven't clarified that yet with, with the officials as to why he was told he had to get back out there on the field. I mean, it's a pretty tough situation when you nearly bust your shoulder and you're being told it's an, it was an external. Was it still an external? We don't know. Um, but then he goes out and bats the way he did and and the match officials may have changed their decision on how, how he fixed the game. So, look, he, got, he had to go back out there. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? Like, he's so committed this, to this team, he was always going to fall on something. Um, and now he's back off icing his shoulders. So I'm very certain that he'll bat. Um, and I'm very certain he'll bat at three. And I'm very certain he'll be determined to score some runs for England tomorrow. So the relevance of that is England are going to have a big run chase and Ollie Pope is their number three. He's, you know, a, a, an excellent batter. Uh, they're going to want him batting at three. England will, you know, want want him doing that. So it will just be a, a case of whether he's allowed to do that, um, whether he needs to go back and field tomorrow when Australia resume their innings. So that's an interesting, uh, you know, point of discussion because we know Australia are uh, a bowler down you know, when they begin that um, fourth innings. Well, that's right. Nathan Lyon, he hurt his calf yesterday, as we touched on, and we got some confirmation this morning. It's a significant calf strain. That's his right calf as well. And so while he can continue to take part in this match, uh, the rest of his series is looking in a little bit of doubt, isn't it, Luke? Yeah, well, they said there's a period of re- rehabilitation. They didn't completely rule out him playing a role again in, in this game. I understand why they do that. You know, they might want him to bat, although there won't be in a position where it's uh, the game on the line if he bats. I mean, even if Australia, you know, cl- crumbled tomorrow, they're still going to be – they're already ahead by 211 runs. Uh, whether they're going to be thinking, you know, an extra couple of runs while a bloke – 
um, smacks it down the other end um, because I don't think Lyon would be able to run. I mean, we saw him walk into the ground this morning on crutches. He went out to kind of do their team talk before play and he looked, he didn't look like he was moving all too well. Bowling, I think, will, will almost certainly be beyond him. And yeah, for the rest of the series, it's uh, it's very hard to see him playing. Maybe if it's a um, if it was a low-grade strain, we might be able to see him back for the final test at the Oval. But the fact they've said it's a significant strain makes me think that Todd Murphy is going to be the man they'd need to turn to for Headingley and beyond. Yeah, and the tests are all so close together as well in this series, aren't they? There's really not much time to catch your breath, let alone to recover from a serious calf injury. So Todd Murphy's going to be the one who comes in for all Australia if they do decide to pick a spinner. You saw him debut in India, and for our listeners who weren't across that series what do we what can we expect from Todd Murphy fantastic bowler Australia are in a better position than they ever have been to replace Nathan Lyon that's a really hard thing to say because he's played 100 consecutive test matches we know Australia have gotten really used to having him in the team but I mean two things let's even just have a look at this you know fourth innings where they'll be defending a total just in this fourth innings, it will be in a better position because they've got Cameron Green. So they already have four bowlers. And they've also got Travis Head, who can bowl some pretty handy overs. Uh, I've got a stat on him that kind of blows my mind, that the first 228 balls he bowled in Test cricket, he took none for 124. His last 251 balls in Test cricket, so since you know going wicketless across those first, I think it's about yeah, 40, 40 or so overs, his last 251 balls have delivered nine wickets at 15. And he barely bowled in India as well. So, um, well, I wanted to give him some airtime on last night's episode, and he <laughs> shut it down. So this is—I well, didn't have the stat ready, so <laughs> now I've got it. I'm uh, I'm prepared and willing to talk about it. And look, he got two wickets in that first innings uh, for England. I mean, it was uh, Stuart Broad and Ollie. Uh, yeah, Stuart Broad and Ollie Robinson wasn't exactly their, you know, number three and four batter. But you know, you still got to get him out. They've, they had problems getting the tail out in the first test. So, uh, an excellent catch by Carey, I should say as well. Yeah. Um, yep. If we can digress just a moment with. Let's do that. Yeah, I mean, the way Kerry has kept and batted in this year has just been phenomenal. Like, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think he'd mind us saying this. I don't think he could have done that, um, the catch that he took off Ollie Robinson. I don't think he could have done that when he first came into Test cricket, when he first came into international cricket a few years before that in, in one day as in T20s. He's really worked hard in his keeping and it's showing in this series. Um, I've been super impressed by him. Yep, he's already got four stumpings um, of Nathan Lyon and now this catch, which he could have also taken the bowels off. Would have been a fifth something, yeah. Couldn't he? If but he uh, nick it. The, the edge was so thick that there was no need to take the bowels off and so it was a pretty regulation uh, wicket in the end. And, and I'm no wicket-keeping expert, uh, but just the way he... The, that ball did deviate significantly. It kind of went up more than kind of to his side, but the way he kind of kept his gloves really soft. Mm. I remember that's something Ian Healy used to talk quite a lot about it, about with those catches, you don't want to kind of commit too much to, um, you know, where the ball's original trajectory is, because if you do get that, you know, fine nick, you might just have to um, kind of react, I suppose, if the, the ball hits the top of your gloves or something like that. So super work from Kerry. Coming back to the the spin discussion, Head will need to, to play a role yeah, in our final will, innings yeah. because that's, you know, normally when Nathan Lyon does his best work. And yes, so, you know, for, for that test, for, for this test, it's going to be important. And then beyond that, um, Todd Murphy will, will definitely come into play, I would have thought. We also had Minus Labuschagne and Steve Smith warming up before play as well. So they'll be very eager, as we know they always are, to get involved in the action as well. So lots of options there for Pat Cummins. Uh, I want to also touch on Mitchell Stark, who yesterday went at seven runs and over and didn't look like quite at his best, but today... Oh, what a start. Mitchell Stark it is. 
Stokes looking to turn the ball away. Legside got a leading edge. Cameron Green did the rest. He took the first over of the day and bowled a five-over spell to begin day three and took two for 13 from those five overs. And it was potentially a game-changing spell because he got Stokes' second ball of the day, as we've mentioned. And then he cramped Brook up for room. Brook was trying to go down the ground, as we said, with those cross-bat shots. In the end, he couldn't get enough room and just sort of lobbed a catch to uh, Pat Cummins at extra cover. Those two wickets, Stokes and Brook, how important could they be? And adding Joe Root, who he got in the first, uh, on sorry, on day two, which, um, you know, was a was a really important wicket as well, given how he batted at Edgbaston. Yeah, I mean, that ball to Stokes was a, was a cracker, wasn't it? It kind of just held its line uh, up the slope. It kind of didn't deviate uh, down the slope as Stokes was kind of expecting. He just turned his face on it and Cameron Green, what an absolute freak show in the gully. We've talked about it so much but the ball was kind of like it's almost like he didn't look at the ball he just kind of like was there and he just put out his hand and he's like yep that's what I do I'm in the gully I'm kind of green. <laughs> I, I take those kind of catches so um, but yeah so a, a big confidence booster for Mitch Stark I would have thought coming into his not his first test of the tour we did see him at the yep. World Test Championship final where he admitted he was a bit short of rhythm in that test so uh, but you know just to, to get things going in an Ashes series when he only played one test four years ago and we know he's got a bit of a point to prove in that regard so expect him to be lent on significantly in the second innings Right day three ended with a bit of rain but let's hope for clear skies on day four when you can catch us again on the Unplayable podcast brought to you by Qantas the spirit of Australia